welcome to Tiny Voice Talks with me, Tori Bono. And today, I'm incredibly excited to be talking about a specific date and something that's happening on that date. So June the 10th is going to be Empathy Day. And today I am joined by Miranda McKinney, OBE, to talk all about Empathy Day. So welcome, Miranda. Oh, thank you. It's lovely to be here. I am genuinely excited. Now, for anyone that hasn't discovered Miranda McKinney, OBE, who are you? (laughs) It's a good question. I ask myself (laughs) that sometimes. (laughs) So um, in my current incarnation, I'm the founder of Empathy Lab, which is a very small not-for-profit aiming to inspire young people to lead an empathy revolution. Um, In my previous life, I thought I was retiring, but in my previous life, I founded a charity called The Reading Agency, which some of your listeners may know through the Mm -hmm. Summer Reading Challenge, which is still going strong. Absolutely. Well, my children have participated in that for ages and my daughter participated in it. So it's a fabulous, fabulous thing. Great. That started around my kitchen table. Really? Yeah. We we had this idea, which was, wouldn't it be amazing if every local library could combine combine their local summer activity, whatever it was, into something huge and national? And it took a number of years to kind of grow it to scale, but um, very, very proud of it. And my friend Anne Sarag um, sort of created it. So we cooked it up around my kitchen table and um, Empathy Lab is kind of much the same, a, a startup which we hope is going to have an enormous impact. Well, as you said, you're trying to create an empathy revolution. I love that. So talk to me about Empathy Day. What is it? So Empathy Day um, is now five years old, and Mm -hmm. it's a day where we ask everybody to focus particularly on using books to build empathy and thinking about why empathy is so important. And it's um, we see it as a kind of lightning rod for a much bigger empathy movement driven by um, the research that we're so excited about. Firstly, that empathy is a learnable skill and we're not just born with a fixed quantity um, and only 10% of our empathic ability is, is genetic. So that's an enormously helpful message. And of course, mm. like all skills, um, it's best learnt young. And then the other piece of is this fascinating neuroscience research that because of how our brains work when we read, so this is a real potted version, um, basically when we read book characters and identify with their feelings, it helps us understand how other people work in real life. So the day is all about um, helping young people learn more about empathy, have empathy experiences at school and at home through literature, and encounter the most amazing array of authors and illustrators um, leading empathy activities so that it kind of really inspires them to understand more about empathy and put it into practice in their lives. And our kind of mantra is so that every day becomes an empathy day. And schools um, are really starting to pick up on this. And we provide a a whole range of free 
resources in the form of toolkits. So the kind of structure of it is that lots of community partners in schools and libraries do empathy activities. And then on Empathy Day itself, there's a massive live festival which you can stream into the classroom or watch afterwards. And this year, so excited by the kind of range of authors we're we're featuring from um, Cresta Cow, the children's laureate who launches it in the morning, right through into the evening for a kind of thought leadership conversation with Michael Rosen and David Badil. How phenomenal. How amazing. So I just want to go back a few steps to something you said. You said that empathy is a learnable skill. For some reason, I had always assumed that empathy was more something that you were born with than you can learn. Yes, and I I think a lot of people assume that. And when you think about just what a crucial skill it is for a child to have to to succeed in life and for society to work. I find it fascinating how much we're still, as a human race, kind of learning about it. So the mm. the there's a white hot cauldron of research, I can't tell you, that we can't possibly keep up with, but we work very closely with um, a group of psychologists and particularly um, with Professor Robin Banerjee at Sussex University and and Dr. Helen Dimitri at Cambridge. Mm. Um, so we're learning a lot all the time about how empathy works as, as they learn more. And basically, there are kind of three elements of empathy. So there's the affective feeling bit of empathy, which we just happens naturally. And you, you babies do it. So it's very, very young. And then gradually, your cognitive empathy develops, um, which is kind of thinking and imagination and reason part of empathy. And then the third element is the acting bit, which the the experts call empathic concern. And that's a bit where once you've understood how somebody else is feeling, you're really fired up to do something to help them. So we particularly break um, empathy down into four skills that we think um, empathy lab using literature can have a particular bearing on mm. and these are ones which are incredibly relevant in schools obviously so um, a wider vocabulary to recognize emotions um, a stronger um, stronger empathic communication skills like talking yes. and listening being able to see somebody's somebody else's perspective which is often very hard, particularly for young children. And mm. then finally, more pro-social attitudes. So all our work is geared to helping teachers understand much more about how empathy actually works. We're trying to kind of share our learning with them. And then think, what are the teaching strategies needed and how can literature help with those to help build those very specific skills? What you're saying makes so much sense. And I find myself nodding along. And it's interesting because, you know, I've been a teacher for many, many years now. But this, it's things like this, this body of evidence, 
you know, unless I hear people like you talking, I'm not aware it exists and it's out there because sometimes I miss these things. So it's great to hear you talking about the affective, the cognitive, and then the empathetic concern. Have I said that right? Yes. Yes. And the fact that actually there are skills that we can use and build in the classroom. But going back then to the fact that actually, if we're using literature, it really helps, which I find fascinating. Well, yes. And this is the research that got us going with Empathy Lab, because I I genuinely thought I was retiring from the reading agency in in 2014. (laughs) (laughs) But there was this research that was coming through that I'd never had a chance to investigate that Mm. was saying you know, there's neuroscience evidence about what is happening in our brains when we read. And the implications of that are that a book is a safe space for particularly children to learn about how other people work. And I just think that is, I was just absolutely fascinated by that. And we held a big thinking at the Royal Festival Hall and, and invited loads of people from different disciplines and said, you know, is is this research being taken seriously? Because if it is, it means that that ubiquitous tool, books, and the, the literacy imperative in education, you could have this amazing double win. Because every time you you're using a book, you can be using it more consciously to build empathy skills. And then we tacked on a, a third thing about social activism of of helping young people really put empathy into action so we now talk about it as a triple win and all our work in schools is exploring how you could have your cake and eat it Mm. and improve literacy and empathy and social activism all at the same time And, and we're beginning to show now through our work in schools how that is possible in a really practical way so talk to me a bit more about the social activism. What do you mean by that? So once you've felt somebody else's feelings mm. um, and you might have, exp- so that means you actually have felt their distress perhaps. Um, yeah. And if you think about uh, the refugee experience, for instance, and you think how our contemporary children's literature is really beginning to explore themes like that and poverty and things that you may not have experienced yourself, but you can experience and enter into through literature. That makes you want to do something about it. Um, So part of our aim is to help children and the people who live and work with them put all of that into action. So one of the Empathy Day ends with um, asking everybody to make an empathy resolution. And we'll have two amazing authors, one of which I think you've had on on your lovely podcast, mm-hmm. Rashmi Sudesh Pandey. Oh, Rashmi's phenomenal. So, so they're leading, they're, um, they're sharing their empathy resolutions yeah. and asking everybody to make one. And then later in the year, we'll be kind of checking in with how everybody's getting on. And we just tried that last year and we were just, oh, such wonderful empathy resolutions from children. So that's, um, yeah, that's part of the kind of social activism. 
Do you think that, you know, the body of children's literature now has just, the fact that it is so rich means that we can really cover things like that? Because you talked about the refugee experience, you know, and I, and I just wrote down the boy at the back of the class because I know when I read that to my children, their awareness just grew and they could really empathize with, you know, with this boy in his red rucksack. I just, I wonder from your point of view, not that I'm going to refer to your age at all and say that you did consider retiring in 2014, but have you seen the the children's literature get richer and richer and richer and enable our children to really focus on social issues? Yes, and and I genuinely, I mean, I've been around in the children's book world for a long time now, Mm. and I I genuinely think we're in a golden age. I think it's, it's quite extraordinary. So, Every year we curate um, an annual collection that we release in January of 50 empathy-rich texts for young people. And we ask publishers to submit their titles against a very specific set of criteria. So all these amazing books come in from the publishers and they really are extraordinary and and have also become very much more diverse um, just in the five years since Mm. we've been doing this empathy lab work. So I think sometimes the the empathy that can be built is very quiet. Um, It might be a book about listening, for instance. So um, we do quite a lot of work about listening. And The Rabbit Listened by Curry Durfield is, is a picture book. We just have everybody not listening to this poor little boy who's had his tower knocked down mm. um but the rabbit just quietly sits alongside and listens and doesn't give advice so there are books you know there are sort of books like boy at the back of the class which i adore um which kind of fire you up to do things about yeah. refugees um full of warm-hearted characters and then there are some books which are more about the skills of empathy um, and, and the guidance we always give because of the research is to let the book do the work. A, a quality piece of literature will help a child explore emotions and explore and understand other people in such a profound way. And, and there's this wonderful researcher in Canada who talks about um, books being a simulation of the social world. Mm. So, you know, like those um, machines you can go on when you're learning to fly a plane? Yes, um, yes. That, that teach you to fly a plane, but you're not actually flying a plane. Mm. So he talks about books being this safe space in which a child can explore the world. And I, I, I just feel that's so cool. It really makes sense when you're saying that. I'm like, yeah, actually, you're absolutely right. And I'm thinking back to my childhood and the way that I would read books and I'd disappear into different lands and experience what the characters were experiencing, but from a safe distance, in a sense. Exactly. That's exactly and completely it. And in our training, we focus a lot on when you're using a book and in all the book talk activities, etc., the subtle shift of focusing much more on character and feelings than plot can be yes. 
an extraordinarily profound shift for a school. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to Empathy Day. So as a class teacher, what do I need to know in order to to really build my day around this? So the first thing is that there's there's loads you could start doing right now. Okay. Um, so the toolkits you just get by e- emailing us primary at empathylab.uk or secondary at empathylab.uk. I should be doing that shortly. Um, and then there's an early years version of that. And they're, they're full of very rich guidance, including that description I've just given you of the three elements of empathy, etc. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole load of different activities. The theme of Empathy Day, because of the pandemic and Black Lives Matter movement, is walking in somebody else's shoes. So everything is about perspective taking and all the activities in the toolkits have really, really fun, creative activities because we we want to make learning about empathy feel different and fun and creative and not didactic. So there are all sorts of things, empathy trails and empathy takeovers and things to do with shoes. And then on May the 11th, we launch um, a, a family pack with 10 empathy-boosting things to do at home. And alongside that, to ensure that every single child has access to an empathy-boosting story, whatever their circumstances, we're launching some amazing, oh, God, they're so good this year, 500-word short stories that authors have written for us. Um, wow. And they're just so great. One of them um, is about Little Red Riding Hood. And if only she'd listened better to the wolf, things might have turned out very different. <laughs> so there's toolkits right now. There's a family. There's a whole range of family activities. There's a countdown week where there's lots of art possibilities because lots of illustrators are giving us read for empathy illustrations as a sort of creative boost. And then Empathy Day itself um, runs, Cresta Cow will launch it at 10, runs throughout the day with a series of actions structured under read, connect and act. And those are little short, sharp bursts of videos from authors doing absolutely amazing, amazing things, which if there's time, I'll say a bit more about. And then in the evening at six o'clock, there's um, a kind of big debate called the Empathy Conversation, which features Mike Rosen and David Baddiel and author Catherine Johnson and our psychology expert advisor, Robin Banerjee. I think the listeners would scream at me if I didn't say, tell us more about what the authors are going to do. Oh, it's just so wonderful. So the sort of strategy is that because authors have such an electric effect on children and because they're the creators of the characters that inspire real-life empathy, mm-hmm. we're, we've curated a series of activities that they lead. So, for instance, I've just been watching um, the film that we'll release on the day of Patrice Lawrence and Jay Hume and Michelle Robinson, very, very different authors who are having an empathy exhibition and they're sharing three precious objects and talking about them and what they will have learnt about each other from that. 
Then Rob Bidulph um, is doing an amazing special secret empathy draw along. Wow. Um, Mallory Blackman and Bally Ryan Holly Bourne are um, sharing their secrets about how on earth do you go about creating a character that builds our real life empathy. So they're kind of sharing how they, what the craft of how they do that. And that is partly a kind of inspiration for young people's creative writing. And, and Bally Rye secret preview talks about how he looks into his character's fridges. And then the really big activity um, because of the theme of walking in somebody else's shoes is empathy walks. So we're asking everybody to go on an empathy walk, um, really noticing their local neighbourhood and what feelings of empathy they experience as they walk. And then when they come back to read around what they might have seen, might have been a, a homeless person, all sorts of things, yeah. read around that subject. We've got some reading lists and make an empathy resolution as a result of that. And share it with us. So we've got Michael Morpurgo, Jane Porter, Joseph Quelo doing their empathy walks. So all that kind of thing. And then the day ends with um, young people talking to Kwame Alexander about race and prejudice and how empathy can be an antidote to that. And um, Welsh Children's Laureate Eloise Williams talking mm -hmm. with people, children we're working with in Swansea about empathy as an antidote to loneliness. And then Rashmi and Nathan Bryan make their empathy resolutions at the end of the day, and we hope there'll be thousands and thousands of empathy resolutions being shared online. It sounds utterly, utterly fabulous. And for our listeners, if you go to empathylab.uk, you'll find everything on there all about it. You can also connect with um, the Empathy Lab on Twitter. Um, what's the Twitter handle? It's at Empathy Lab UK. Perfect. So please, please, please get involved, everyone, because it's going to be such an amazingly special day. And I have to say, you've, I mean, just you telling me about it, Miranda, I'm literally bouncing up and down with excitement about this. I really am. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's but, really good. I have to say, though, do you ever sleep? I mean, the listeners are now quite concerned, number one, about retirement, but number two, about your level of sleep. Because <laughs> sleep, well, I have to know. say that sleep is not one of my strengths. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank goodness for us that it's not, because clearly... <laughs> You know, it's you would need many hours in the day just to come up with these fabulous ideas, and they truly are fabulous. You know, what a may, what a wealth of stuff just for a day. And actually, looking at your website, it's not just about one day either, is it? It is. No, about it's really, really not. And obviously, you know, you can use a day, can't you, as a strategy to kind of attract attention to a subject and get a certain amount of action going. But empathy is a thing that is just so important all year round. Children, children who lack empathy skills often lack them because um, they've simply not experienced them in life. So to feel safe to learn at school, the role of you teachers in understanding 
empathy and how you can build it um, using literature is obviously crucial. And I always think of teachers as being so such amazing empathy role models and doing oh I've just felt so grateful for you lot during the pandemic and what you've been doing for our children I, I think you're all heroes oh that's that, that's so kind of you to say and I think you know I do I, I'm incredibly proud to be part of the teaching profession and I think you're absolutely right. You know, the, the things that we do on a daily basis in school alter the lives of children. And if we can help to develop their empathy, if we can help them to raise their eyes and notice that homeless person, to yeah. actually take a, a proactive stance in society, as opposed to just thinking it's for another person to sort it out. Actually, we're doing our job well. Yeah. No, absolutely. And this amazing younger generation, if you look at what they've done on climate change, um, mm. just think of them leading a new empathy movement, being all fired up, like so many children are when you read um, The Boy at the Back of the Class. I don't know if you find that, but I hear so many reports of, of children deciding to do something about refugees. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the fact that we have much more media coverage nowadays than we did when I was growing up. But I'm not, I wasn't aware when I was growing up of children taking such a proactive role against yeah. societal issues when I was growing up. And now I think, yeah, it's wonderful. You know, I have a 14 year old who is very, very aware of things in society that I wasn't. And I do think that part of that is down, as you said, to the rich literature that we now have, the golden age of children's literature. Yeah, I agree. Now, as you know, Miranda, at the end of the podcast, I always ask everyone the same question. So are you ready? If you could have been taught by anyone, living or dead, who would have been your perfect teacher? Oh, I did think this was a difficult question. <laughs> and of course, I have a million answers, but um, my answer today settles on um, Marilyn Robinson. I don't know if you know her novels, um, the Gilead series. Um, yes. Barack Obama used to talk to Marilyn Robinson, apparently, and I just think she is one of the wisest writers I've ever read um and I would love to have been taught by her a really good answer now everyone's going off to, to find out about the Gilead series <laughs> so leaving our listeners with a final thought Miranda what do you want them to do ready for empathy day I would love them to subscribe to our newsletter sounds really basic but that's how we kind of get all our plans out there you just go on to the website www.empathylab.uk um, and you can subscribe there and then crucially email us for our toolkits primary at empathylab.uk and the same for secondary and early years and they will give you everything you need to get going and then at any other time of year, come on our training, use our book collections, do our in-depth schools program. Come and talk to me. That's wonderful. Thank you. So everyone, June the 10th, 
Empathy Day. Let us know how you get on with it as well. So make sure that you contact Miranda and the Empathy Lab afterwards with all the great things that you have done. Miranda, thank you so much for coming on Tiny Voice Talks and telling us all about Empathy Day. It has been a joy. The thanks are mine. It's lovely of you to have me. Thank you very much.